You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Pastor Joe Sulet shares about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, focusing on love, joy, and peace. Welcome to Every Nation. We're a family of churches and ministries that exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. We started our series called The Unknown God three weeks ago, yes. And it's a five-part series that talks about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is probably the least understood divine person in the Godhead. Many knew for a fact that He is holy and He's called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And we started by talking about the Trinity, yes. But many times believers are lost when it comes to understanding and defining who He really is in the Scripture and the role that the Holy Spirit has to play in the lives of a believer. Just last week, we had Pastor Larry Matsuaki, our founding pastor of Every Nation Singapore, who did a very powerful prophetic presbytery, and he talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Today, we are going to talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Just recently, I was looking at the news and found out about Matt Campbell. He's 29 years old, and he's the semi-finalist in the London's MasterChef. He decided to run for a charity in memory of his dad. And somewhere before the finish line, around the 22.5-mile mark, he collapsed. Despite the efforts of the race doctors to resuscitate him, he did not make it alive to the hospital. From the outside, this man looks to be like very energetic, full of energy, very healthy. It's a picture of health, but nobody knew that inside there was something going on, a fatal condition was about to happen. Who among you had the recent visit to the GP lately? Anyone? Well, I need to go to the GP as well. We all need to go on an occasional visit to the GP, just so we can make sure we don't have any unknown serious medical condition, right? The same is true with our spiritual lives. We're encouraged by the scriptures to constantly search and examine our hearts, look into ourselves, examine the desires, the motivation, the motives of our hearts to see if anything that we're doing is glorifying God or anything else or something else. The same way that the doctor puts us through a series of tests to see if we're okay, the Bible has a process of evaluating spiritual health and spiritual problems in our lives. We find this in chapter 5 of Galatians, verses 22 to 23, and it reads like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Bible further says against such things, there is no law. Now the first thing that we need to point out is that even if Paul mentioned that there are nine character traits of the fruit of the Spirit, he also states that the fruit is singular. If you notice, he did not say fruits of the Spirit. A lot of us make this mistake saying, what are the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit? There's only one fruit of the Holy Spirit with nine characteristics. And in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul also mentions that the fruit of the Spirit allows us to learn to 
the light of the Lord. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 9, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. To understand the process of bearing spiritual fruit, let's look at the name itself first. Fruit of the Spirit. There is no measure of human engineering that can replicate or create a fruit. The fruit is the natural result of growth. And of the Spirit refers to the one that causes that growth. No amount of human determination can produce the fruit of the Spirit. It is only by the power of the Spirit that dwells in us that we are able to bear this fruit. The only way to produce the fruit of the Spirit is to have the Holy Spirit in us. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is the result of the Holy Spirit's presence in the life of a Christian. And we receive that at the moment of salvation, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As with any fruit, we won't see it grow immediately. Just the same when you receive Jesus Christ, you don't see the fruit the second that you receive Jesus Christ. It all starts with a seed. And like a seed, we need to be planted on the ground. Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. The first thing that has to happen if we have to bear the fruit of the Spirit is for us to die to ourselves. We have to come to a place where it is no longer us or our will that controls our lives, but it is a place where we allow God and His purpose and plan for our lives to rule over us. It would be pretty foolish if we would plant an orange seed and expect an orange fruit five weeks later, right? And there's a season of growth that we go through in a life, and it's the same with the Christian life. You know, the fruit of the Spirit does not happen without a season of growth. Remember that. It may not take years for the fruit to grow, but God takes us to a season of growth. And God is preparing us to bear fruit. Now, how does He prepare us to bear fruit? The true fruit of the Spirit is revealed when God exposes our hearts and our intentions through trials and challenges that we go through in life. He peels the outer layer and reveals what's inside our heart. It is through those challenges that we get a chance to grow the fruit. The fruit has a chance to ripen. Until then, if we do not have any challenges in life, there's no need, really, no need for the fruit. The real test of character is how you treat someone who has no possibility of doing you any good. Remember that. How do you show love to someone who you really don't like? How do you find joy in the middle of the trials and tribulations that you go through? How do you find peace in the business of your life? When do you show patience? When do you show kindness? When do you show goodness to others? How do you, or when do you need to be faithful? How do you 
do good to others? How do you become gentle to people around you? When do you need to exercise self-control? How do we grow and mature to bear fruit? You get my point? These char characteristics, they don't naturally come out as we grow. They only come out as we grow deeper into our relationship with Jesus. And as we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit that is available to us because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, that the fruit is the direct result of whatever controls our hearts. It says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, and all other evil acts. We are all called to bear fruit. It is the Holy Spirit that conforms us to the image of Christ, making us more like Him. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives is to change it, to, become, to make it become more like Christ in every way. Jesus was very clear that those who follow Him will be recognized by their fruit. If you want to know the tree, just look at the fruit. In John 15, 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Today, we will talk about the first three characteristics of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. What is love? True biblical love deliberately expresses itself in caring, compassionate, and loving ways. It always seeks the welfare of others. And you have to remember this, love is an active choice. It is not a feeling. Remember, true biblical love is dependent on the character of the person giving it, not dependent on his emotions. The reason why we are miserable in our relationships because our love for our spouse, because our love for our families and our friends are based on what we feel. And when we do that, we become miserable. We give them love if they deserve it. We withhold it from them if we feel like they've done us wrong. Why do relationships fail? Because we love with expectations. And when people fail to meet the expectations, our entitled pride tells us, I deserve someone better than you. I deserve to be treated better than this. Love, remember, gives freely without looking at whether the other person deserves it. And it gives without expecting anything in return. Even if you find a hundred reasons to despise, to resent or hate a person, if you have love in your heart, you would still find for that one reason. That one reason to be compassionate, to be loving, and to be understanding. God has every reason to despise us, yet He chose to love us, even if we were sinners. We are sinners and we will always be sinners, yet He sent His Son so that He will die the death that we deserve, so that we can in faith Enjoy eternity with God. Love remains merciful even in the midst of pain. Now remember this. 
the Holy Spirit is reminding many of us here today who are still nursing wounds hurt by or wounds caused by hurtful words or actions done to us by people, by someone in the past. If you feel that there's this thorn in your heart for someone, remember Jesus. While he was on the cross, suffering, agonizing, at the point of near death, he still had the mercy to say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Now, I'd like you to pause for a moment and think of someone who has caused you so much pain. All of us have gone through that point in our lives when we've been hurt by someone, someone probably even close to us. Now, my question is, will you be able to ask God the same question for his forgiveness for those people who have crucified you in pain? Are you willing to let go and forgive that person. Remember, choose to forgive. Loving others is a decision that we have to make, not based on how we feel. Love is not based on our emotion. It is a decision that we stand on and say, I will choose to love this person even if I cannot find a reason to love this person anymore. That is love. And the Holy Spirit, if we allow Him, will give us the power to make that decision. The challenge for us, all of us, is to love in spite of. That's difficult. This is true with your spouse. This is true with your children, with your parents, with your friends. The person in the grocery line who can't seem to find a right card to make the payment. I remember I was in Aldi one time. I was so in a hurry, and there was this middle-aged man who seems to be taking forever to pay. And you know how the feeling when you have just a few bunch of things that you have to pay for, and there's this person who can't seem to finish what he's doing. And you're at that point where you want to, you know, make a face or probably go for another counter. Your patience is being tested. And what does the Bible say about patience and about love? The Bible says love is patient. You see, we have, and this is the thing, it is hard to be patient when you're only thinking about yourself. It's hard to be patient when all you're concerned about is you and yourself. So find ways to show love to people around you. That's a challenge for a lot of us. Regardless of what they're showing you or what they're doing to you, love them in spite of. Remember, when you love, you don't rely on yourself. We ask the Holy Spirit for help. The third fruit of the Spirit is joy. Paul said to the Romans, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. It is our faith and our hope in God that gives us joy regardless of the circumstances that we're in. Joy, unlike Happiness is gladness that is completely independent of the things that are happening in your life. Joy is not the absence of trials. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It is not the absence of things that make you worry, but it is the presence of God in the midst of the things that are happening in your life. And this can only happen when we fix our focus on God's purposes in our lives 
rather than the circumstances that we're going through. Joy is internal. Happiness, that's external. Happiness is based on the great things that are happening in your life. Joy is based on, on something that's inside of you that you cannot explain. Joy is constant. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is like the excitement of driving a brand new car from the dealer. You know how it feels like, ah, that's excitement. And joy is like the smile and the content of driving a 15-year-old car that still looks decent and safely takes you to point A to point B, right? I'm driving an 18-year-old van. Would I like to drive a brand new SUV? Yes, count me in. Put me first in the list. But am I miserable driving an old van? No. Will I allow a younger man who seems to be more successful beside me on the stoplight driving a brand new Lexus rob me of the joy that I have? Definitely not. I'm not saying that you shouldn't buy yourself a new car or a new phone if you can afford it. My point is, joy is a condition of the heart. Happiness is an emotion. Joy comes from God, and unlike happiness, it is not based on circumstances. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit that allows you to be thankful in abundance and still be joyful and remain content even in lack. Do you want to have joy? Joy is a choice. We can either ignore or choose to value what God is doing in and through our lives. The Holy Spirit, if we allow Him, will open our eyes to the grace that God has been giving us all these years. Just look at where you are right now. You might not have a job, you might not have a lot of money, but you're still blessed. You're still blessed. Before you start wallowing in self-pity and saying, why am I like this? Why is my life like this? You know, crying for the things that you do not have. Think and be thankful for the many things that God has blessed you with. The next thing is peace. Have you ever felt enraged by someone and then you carry the burden of that anger in your heart? And every time people talk about that situation, every time you're reminded of that person, there's just this tightness that's inside of you. Remember, it is beautiful to say silent when someone expects you to be enraged. When you feel that <clears throat> inside of you, cry out to God. Pour out your frustration to God, and He will pour in His peace in your heart. The Bible says it's a kind of peace that surpasses all understanding, something that you cannot understand. It passes all comprehension. I remember attending a wake of a friend and I saw the wife greeting everyone with that. I really can't explain it. I know she was mourning, but there was this calmness in her smile. Her husband died when their first son was two weeks old. And I can't imagine how she, how she can smile at people with that. It's, it's different. I can't explain it. And then I realized they were Christians. And that's the peace that God gives you. Despite of the looming sadness that is about to take place because someone is dying or someone's going through some difficult times in his or her life. It's a, it's a kind of peace that we cannot explain. It is when you trust God 
that He is in control of everything that happens in your life, that you come to a place of peace. Are you anxious about anything? This is what the Bible says about that. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 9, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. When the Bible says anything, it means anything. Do not be anxious about the looming death of a person who is very close to you. Do not be anxious about the medical condition that you were diagnosed with. Do not be anxious about the bills that you have to pay. Do not be anxious about anything. And the Bible further says, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Bible is saying, if you are going through difficult times in your life, pray to God. Let God know what you're going through. It's okay to cry out to God and say, God, why is this happening to me? Help me. It's okay. God would understand. God would want us to be in a, in a position of prayer. The Bible says, pray incessantly. Always pray. If there's something that you're anxious about, the first thing that you have to do is pray and remember with thanksgiving. Do not complain. Lord, why are you doing this to me? And say, Lord, I thank you that I'm going through this. Because of this, I realize that I need you, and I cannot do this on my own. I need your grace, because apart from it, I can do nothing. Paul, the apostle Paul, was praying for a thorn in his, in his flesh to be removed. It must have been so difficult for him that he asked God three times, Lord, please take this away from me. But what did God say? My grace is sufficient. And it further says, and the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you pray about something that you're going through, sometimes God will not answer yes. Sometimes he will say, wait, and maybe he'll say no. But you know what God will give you? He probably will not give you an instant solution to your problem, but he will give you his peace that transcends all understanding. He doesn't take you away from the storm. He allows you to go through the storm, but he will with, be with you in and through the storm, and his peace will be with you. His grace will be more than sufficient to allow you to surpass all the trials and tribulations that come along your way and get through the storm unscathed and unharmed. That's what it means when God gives you his peace. And our peace cannot come from anything that this world has to offer. Our peace can only come from God. When he's saying, do not be anxious, God is saying, trust me. That's all he's saying, trust me. Real peace can only come from God, and he gives it to those who ask for it in prayer, in prayer with thanksgiving. So next week, we will be talking about the rest of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So let's all stand and continue in worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. It's been a week, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy and your love that is new every day. Lord, as we come out of this room today, our prayer will be for just love, joy, and peace to rule over our hearts today, Lord. 
as we come out and do our chores, get back to work, may we always start our day praying for love, joy, and peace for the people around us, for the people we work with. And it's only by your spirit that we are able to do this. So we thank you, Lord. Honor, we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Have a great week, everyone. Weekend and week ahead. Take care. God bless you all. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at iancanbra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanbra.org.